Lord God, we just get grieved by some of the brokenness that takes place in this broken world that we live in. And I want to offer a prayer right now, especially for those who, for whom this might bring up some, some really, really difficult things. I pray, God, that whatever the case may be, that you would continue or in some cases begin the healing that needs to take place. I pray that they would continue to look to you or maybe start looking to you for that forgiveness. And I pray for a special measure of grace and comfort and strength. There are others of us here, and maybe the particular kind of offense that took place, the assault that took place that we watched here, maybe that didn't happen. Maybe it's something totally different. But it's just as hard for that person to get over. I pray for them as well, and just that we would take these things and, and think and, and, and pray. And uh, especially during these few moments we have together now, just uh, process some of these issues and as we think about, in some cases, or continue to bring them to you. We pray that in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Um, this is a great passage, and we're going to go right to that parable that the uh, young lady spoke of in the... Uh, in the film. It's in Matthew chapter 18. I'm going to give you a little more context with it. It's uh, Peter. It starts off with a conversation of Peter talking to Jesus. And Peter, and I've said this many times, Peter is one of my, there's two or three people in the Bible that I relate to very well. Peter's one of them because he's one of those guys that would just engage mouth first and brain later. And, um, and he does it right here, because here's what's going on when, when, when Peter asks this question. The, uh, some, some of the rabbis of the time taught that it was, if, you really, you, if you're a really big person, you would forgive two times. And so, so keep that in mind as Peter gets ready to address Jesus on the subject of forgiveness. Um, chapter 18, verse 21, then Peter came to him, Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? He's being a big, you know, he's being a big dog. Hey, seven times, Lord? Thinking he's going to get an attaboy. Um, Jesus, no, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Which had to just blow him away. And of course, Jesus is speaking in hyperbole. He's not speaking of 490 times. I did the math myself. Um, Jesus is speaking of, you just keep, you know, you just keep on forgiving. And, um, now, and then Jesus gives this parable, the story that you, you heard talked about on the screen. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who had decided to bring his accounts up to date with the servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him, now this is key, and this is in today's language, millions of dollars. Remember that. He couldn't pay. So his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. That's what you did in that culture. That was the law. If you couldn't pay your debts, you were sold into slavery to pay your debt until you, until you worked enough to work it off. Isn't that an interesting concept? wonder how many folks would have been sold into slavery in the past year. What do you think about that? Um, kind of glad we don't do that anymore, aren't you? But that's what they did. So, so he's, okay, you and your family, you know, you can just see his wife going, hey, honey... I didn't sign that IOU. Anyway, that's just what happened. Verse 26, but the man fell down before his master and he begged him, please be patient with me. I will pay it all. 
Then his master was filled with pity for him. Some Bibles read compassion. And he released him and forgave his debt. Millions of dollars. You're forgiven. Pretty amazing. Keep reading. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him, key phrase, a few thousand dollars, significantly less than what he had owed the king. He grabbed him by the throat, demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him, and he begged for a little more, more time. Please be patient with me. I will pay it, he pleaded. This is just moments later, maybe a day, maybe two, but not that long. Same exact scenario. Now think about that. How, does that. how can that happen? How can a person receive tremendous, undeserved forgiveness, then turn around and not give forgiveness to somebody else for much, something much less? How can that happen? That ever happened to you? You know anybody like that? Well, verse 20, but his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison. Verse 30, excuse me. Had, had put him in prison until the debt could be paid in full. Verse 31. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king. They told him everything that had happened. Then the king called in the man, and he had forgiven. And he said, you evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly Father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Now keep in mind, this is a parable, this is a story, and Jesus is illustrating. His point is really simple. I mean, it's a very simple point. I think you know it. According to this parable, forgiveness, the forgiveness that you have been given should should have tremendous... It should be the gold standard by which you forgive others. That's the gospel. Jesus came and he lived and he suffered and he died and he rose again to give us certainly eternal life and abundant life, but but also to forgive us. When we trust Christ, we have that forgiveness. And, And please understand this. I alone have committed enough sins to send Christ to the cross. Me alone, I've done enough myself. Believe me. Well, you probably don't need convinced. But... Um, but then you had to, you, and you, and you, and you, the rest of us. I mean, Christ would have, di- would have done what he did if you were the only person on the, on the earth. He forgave us all of our sins when he went to the cross and died for our sins and then rose again. We, we, we become a person of faith when we accept that and say, yes, Lord Jesus, I believe that. And, uh, and, and you know what? I've said this many times, and uh, it's important to understand, and I would appreciate it if you didn't try, but you could never sin against me as much as I've sinned against Christ. You could never do it. Therefore, I, I really, I mean, me, you, those of us who are, who are followers of Christ, there's just no option but to forgive. It may take a while. It may be tough. It may take some help. But there's no option if we've experienced forgiveness. That's the point of this parable. 
whatever that, whatever that is. And, you know, and, and, and let me just say this, because we, we looked at a pretty extreme situation here, pretty extreme intense situation. Don't feel guilty if maybe your particular offense against you wasn't anything close to that, but you're still having a hard time with it. Don't feel guilty about that because what may be small to somebody else is not a, is, it, it can be a huge thing to you. And you know that. And it may be in your family, and it may be kids, or it might be parents, or it might be in business, it might be in church. God forbid, it happens a lot, uh, unfortunately. But it, it's still a real issue. Don't try to minimize it. I want to give you three quotes that I've given here before probably three or four times, but they're, they're just so on point that I wanted to do them again. I call them oldies but goodies. Um, I used to be a disc jockey, so I still think that. Um, they're just so good. There's just so much on point. Uh, Luana Blackwell, she's a novelist. Forgiveness is almost a selfish act because of its immense benefits to the one who forgives. I've already seen that. Lewis Mead, Dr. Lewis Mead's a professor for many years at Fuller Seminary, probably written one of the classic books on forgiveness. And... Um, he said this, I love this, forgiving is a journey, sometimes a long one. It doesn't come instantly. It's not a matter of, oh, okay, went to church today. Rich said I should forgive. Okay, you're forgiven. I wish it were that simple. It might be at some time, but for the most part, it is part of a journey. It's part of a process. My encouragement is to get on that road. Get, let the process begin. Hey, that's my, my encouragement to you. Get, get going there. Say, I could never forgive. Get started. Ask God to help you. That's why he, that's, he, he will. That's one of the reasons Jesus came. Dr. Powers, a good friend of mine, was my therapist for a number of years. Um, bitterness is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. He knew how to speak my love language there. Okay, that was just, yeah, I said, yeah. Bitterness is like drinking poison, expecting the other person to die. So true. We just hang on to that stuff. We just hang on. And, and he may or she may have been, they may have been done the worst thing to you in the world. But it's kind of like the song that Julie just sang. How long are you going to hang on to that? Let me give you three statements that I, with great pain, came up with, with some, with some help from some of my grammar policemen. Um, I call these choices and consequences regarding forgiveness. Choices and consequences, just three things. Choices and consequences regarding forgiveness. The first one is this. Either your life will be defined by some paralyzing, devastating sin that you can't shake, or by the incredible freedom of forgiveness. Let me talk about that devastating sin. That may be what happened to you, somebody did to you. That may be something you did to somebody else. That may be something you really can't put any blame to anyone. It may not have been anybody's fault. And, and, and I'm going to call it a sin. You can call it something else. It might be a sickness. It might be a condition. It might be a disability. Could be any number of things, situation in life, circumstances. Might be Bernie Madoff. I don't. It could be any number of things, and 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 really, I mean, that's we say that, and it's a good thing to say. But you know, I know a few of those folks. I know a few folks who are still got some anger. They're carrying around for Bernie Madoff. One of them in my neighborhood lost their house, lost everything. Um, 
You know, so when you, when you start putting faces on that, and I hate him, I hate that person, I hate her. Um, devastating sin can also be self-inflicted. You were stupid, and you did this, and you made a decision, and, and I, I couldn't help but watch this. I didn't say this the other two services, so I'll give you something I didn't say. And, and whatever you think I, I, is fine. I couldn't help. I watched it Tuesday when, in, on the sports when uh, Plaxico Burris, the uh, wide receiver for uh, the Giants, got, got carried away and, and so forth. And, and, and I don't particularly have any great love for, for him. or I'm not a big Giants fan, but, but I, I really felt bad. I, was here, I watched him on video, you know, kissing his family goodbye as he'd gone away for two years. I mean, I, I don't care who you are and I don't care what you think. I just, whether it's his, you know, it's his, it's his fault, you know. You know, you don't carry a stinking gun into a nightclub in Manhattan. I haven't figured that out yet anyway. But, but I still felt bad. I felt, I felt sympathy for that. I felt compassion for the guy, you know. And, and I'm sure, and I've watched the interviews, and, you know, it was a stupid thing to do, whatever. There are people who do stupid things who have to live with the consequences. And sometimes those are long-term consequences. And sometimes they can't forgive themselves of those particular issues. And I would say to you, you need to do that. That's why Jesus came. He came to forgive the other person's sins and my sins. And I have, and I'm one who a few times in my life have had, have had a hard time forgiving myself. And, um, but that's, that's what Jesus died for those sins. Either your life will be defined by some paralyzing, devastating sin that you can't shake or by the incredible freedom of forgiveness. Don't get stuck. And some people go through something like we saw represented on the screen. Maybe it's, maybe it's money, maybe it's business, maybe it's... And they get stuck there. And they live like that and with that for the rest of their miserable lives. And I can assure you, I don't often speak for God, but I will here. I can assure you, God never intended you to live that way. I know that because I read this book. So don't get stuck. Second thing, either your life will be defined by the darkness of being a perpetual victim or by the light and the absolute delight or delight of unearned forgiveness. I mean, there are people who seemingly just have a black cloud that follows them around. And they're always victims. You won't believe what happened to me. And, 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 and you know what? Sometimes they truly are victims. And sometimes they're just unlucky or sometimes they put themselves in the wrong position, sometimes this, sometimes that. But, but here's the issue here. Are you going to live the rest of your life defined by this darkness, I'm going to call it, of being this perpetual victim? You know, we, we, this dark cloud that just sort of keeps hanging around and hanging over me? Are you going to have some, some fun and some, some joy and some, some light, as I call it, uh, and delight, as we say in the South, uh, of unearned forgiveness. You know, when one realizes how much they've been forgiven, excuse English, but you ain't got time to be a victim. When one, earn, when one figures out how much and understands how much they've been forgiven, you ain't got time to be judgmental. You don't. Excuse English, but you get the point. Either your life will be defined by the darkness of being a perpetual victim or by the light. God bless us with that. And the absolute delight of unearned forgiveness. It's joyful. It's just joyful. Third statement that I want you to get. 
choices and consequences regarding forgiveness. Either your life will be defined by what happens to you or the character that Christ wants to build in you. Big difference there. Either your life will be defined by what happens to you or by the character that Christ wants to build in you. You know, life has many, many choices. And the older you get, the more you realize that. And of course, they, they, we all say, you know, choices are very important, what college we go to and the person that we marry. And, and certainly all that is true, the career that we undertake, all that is true. All those are very important choices. But one of the single most important choices we will ever make and continue to make, because it's not made one time, is, the, ter- is the, 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 the absolute determination that it takes to let God mold you into who He wants you to be. And to resist allowing your life to be defined by what happens to you. Let me help you with this. I've lived just long enough to realize we don't always have control over what happens to us. But we sure have a choice as to what we do with that. And you know, you say, well, this is good pop psychology. Listen, this, this is maybe so. I don't know about that. But I know this is how God wants us to live. Voltaire said this, the longer we dwell on our misfortunes, the greater is their power to harm us. Very true. Either your life will be defined by what happens to you or by the character that Christ wants to build in you. And listen, God can help you with that too. And he will. As he not only gives you forgiveness, but he gives you the strength to overcome and to rethink, and to pray, and to forgive, where forgiveness needs to take place. Let me, let me, let me wrap this up with a few sentences from, from a book that you might hear more about very soon. Uh, it's a book by Philip Yancey called What's So Amazing About Grace. Great book. I'm rereading it. And just a great book. What's So Amazing About Grace. And this, these are some powerful words. I'm going to read this, and then, and then I'm going to ask Steve to go back to that, and I'll tell you what's going to happen then. But um, just, just follow this. This is uh, Philip Yancey. Though wrong does not disappear when I forgive, it loses its grip on me and is taken over by God, who knows what to do. Such a decision involves risk, of course. The risk that God may not deal with the person as I would want. You forgive, and you say, okay, God, I'll let you deal with it. And and God doesn't do what you think. And you're like, God, why didn't you kill this dirt ball, huh? I mean, come on. Why didn't you at least disable him for a little while? You know, why isn't he, like, you know, why is he doing so well? I don't like this. There's a risk involved. The risk that God may not deal with the person as I would want. Watch this. I never find forgiveness easy. Rarely do I find it completely satisfying. Nagging injustices remain, and the wounds still cause pain. I have to approach God again and again, yielding to Him the residue of what I thought I had committed to Him long ago. True words are never spoken about forgiveness. Guys, Steve and the guys are going to come on up, and they're going to do a song. It's an old hymn. I love old hymns. You may not recognize it as an old hymn, but it's an old hymn. Come ye sinners, poor and weak, sore and tired, come to Jesus. Let me pray as they get ready to do that. God, thank you for the love that you have for us through Jesus. Thank you, God, that we can come to you 
whether we're sick or sore or tired or beaten down or beaten up. We thank you for the grace, the comfort, the forgiveness that we will always find in a relationship with you. And God, I pray that we would take that forgiveness and live it out for the situations that we're challenged with throughout life. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.